Hello and welcome to From No Crypto to No Crypto. This is Blockchain Wayne bringing you another cryptocurrency podcast. Today's episode brought to us by Coincierge Club, mobile private key wallet and point of sale solution. Coincierge Club makes purchasing easy, safe, and the overall process more efficient while costing less, helping to make cryptocurrency mainstream. All right, let's take a look at the market. Looks like the market is still trying to take off, still trying to get that old engine started. All right, but a good sign is what we're looking at is only 10 of the top 100 cryptocurrencies are in the red. Everything else is in the green, including Bitcoin right now as, as the time of this recording. So looking pretty good. Where we're going, we'll have to see. But I want to point out, while I'm talking about the market update, I came across a really great resource today, and I've actually shared it on the Facebook page under the same name as this podcast, From No Crypto to New Crypto called the Fear and Greed Index. And the link is shared there, so you can, you can save that link, check it out all the time. It's a multifactorial crypto market sentiment analysis. So it, it takes the sentiment, you know, this is not technical analysis, this is more sentiment analysis. It takes Bitcoin and other top cryptocurrencies and gives a chart from zero to 100, right? Zero being extreme fear, all the way up to 100 being extreme greed. So where are we at right now? Yesterday was 18, which is marked as extreme fear. Today is marked as 19, slightly better, as extreme fear. Overall for last week was a 24, still in the extreme fear. Uh, last month was 54, which is pretty much neutral. So why would fear be a good thing? And, and you may have heard many expert traders, expert financial uh, analysts say that whenever there's fear in the market, that is usually a buying opportunity. So extreme, can, extreme fear can be a sign that the investors are too worried, and that could be a buying opportunity. On the other end, when investors are getting too greedy, that means the market is due for a correction. Therefore, they analyze the current sentiment of Bitcoin market and crush the numbers in a simple meter, zero to 100. And that's what that means. So it's too greedy. That's typically when it's a time to sell right? December, end of December, 2017 would be a perfect example of when the time, when it may have been read as too greedy. So here's some data sources they use, which I found interesting is volatility, market momentum and volume, social media, surveys, dominance, and trends. So all of those are combined to get the score. And, and it really makes sense. I've heard a lot of people use sentiment analysis when they're looking at just a number of Google searches or, or just the, the sentiment of media, mainstream media towards cryptocurrency and, and what it is you saw in December and January, this, the new sentiment was extremely high, right? So we think most people think that's a time to get in because things are hot when actually that would have been a perfect time to sell and wait for a correction to buy back at a lower because you're looking at a market correction. All right, so let's look. Also in, in news today, we're looking at the probability of a bullish move in Bitcoin has gone up in the last 24 hours. There's a lot of indicators that are starting to turn bullish when you look at charts, and I'm not going to go into each and every one, but to start with, we've re remained well above a support area of $6,200 despite multiple bad news, right? China issuing more bans on cryptocurrency-related projects and ETF rejections. Right. So that that we've seen that and we've seen it hold. And like I said, we've also seen, as I mentioned in yesterday's episode, 
we've seen a huge accumulation around the 6,300 mark for Bitcoin, which means some big whales out there actually think that is a great buying opportunity, which could indicate we've already seen the bottom and this could be the first step up in a bull market. Now, most of the times a bull market will start when most people don't realize it. By the time we hit eight, nine, $10,000, we are already well into that bull market. So this, this could be a good sign. So let's see what else we have here. Also another thing in positive news, the SEC has decided to review the rejection of the nine Bitcoin based exchange traded funds, which is also called ETFs. So that has also bought, brought a little positivity to the news. And we're, we're expecting, you know, even if those don't get approved, those weren't really a big deal. They weren't really expected to be approved. It's the one at the end of the month that we're looking at, the, at the end of September, should I say, that we're looking at that is the Van Eck ETF, which could be huge. So, also, it, we're looking at a record number of sharks getting close on Bitfinex. It's hovering near record highs. And this is, you know, this could be a risk. You know, typically that's when people are getting greedy. A lot of sharks are coming in. And we know that's when the market could see a reversal. That's a lot of what happens. There's been bullish crossovers in the MACD, which we've talked about in past episodes. So where we're going right now, it's hard to say, but we've got to, one, keep that, that support level of 6,200 and start moving in this right direction and have some more indicators turn bullish. So other things, looking at the news today as well, BACT, B-A-K-K-T, which is the company that was formed by a partnership between ICE, which is the owner of the New York Stock Exchange, and Microsoft and Starbucks. As you know, they, they've basically what's happened is the SEC is, after disapproving the Winklevoss ETF, they gave several reasons, right? So they disapproved the ETF saying that the disapproval doesn't rest on the valuation of whether Bitcoin or blockchain technology more generally has utility or value as an innovation or an investment. And so what I was trying to say when I got tripped up was BACT is solving some of the problems, some of the reasons why the SEC denied the Winklevoss ETF last month what's happening is BACT is solving some of those problems, which could help improve the likelihood of a Bitcoin ETF being approved in the very near future. So looking at BACT, what they're doing is, is working on building a consistent regulatory construction, transparent, efficient price discovery, and an institutional quality pre and post trade infrastructure. BACT has also announced in, in recent news that they are not gonna offer any kind of Bitcoin futures or margin trading on, on their platforms. It's, it's, it's going to serve institutional investors in the U.S. market, which will bring a lot of money into the market. And also the plan with BACT is they're going to also help create a platform where a lot of merchants or retailers or companies that, that accept payments for services or goods will be able to accept Bitcoin and, and not have to worry about the, any kind of volatility. So that's in the, in the last month, the SEC has laid out the reasons for, for, denying the ETFs that have gone through and been rejected, which has been lack of trusted price formation and reliance on futures market and derivatives. So the backed exchange satisfies both those requirements from the SEC and they continue to establish their focus and finding a trusted price formation as possible. It could impact the first Bitcoin ETF. All right. So Coinbase also in the news, which is, seems to be everyday Coinbase is having something positive in the news. 
They unveiled a set of guiding principles designed to facilitate their adoption and growth of its new range of products, which are aimed at institutional investors. So just to give you a couple of excerpts from their blog, Coinbase will provide public trading rules and policies that are fairly applied to all market participants, publish transparent trading fees and incentive programs, clearly communicate market capabilities such as order minimums, maximums, execution options, trading volumes and maintenance schedules, and commit to ongoing independent third-party audits to ensure compliance with applicable re regulations and industry standards. So transparency is, is something that is much needed. We've heard recently uh, uh, something called, quote unquote, the Coinbase effect, which has come under fire in the past, which is, you know, kind of like an insider trading type concept where when tokens have been listed on Coinbase, certain things have happened on Coinbase, the market action on Coinbase's exchanges showed that some insider knowledge could have been possible as trading was taken, you know, taking place in advance. Perfect example of that was whenever Coinbase enabled Bitcoin cash trading. Uh, many, we saw the price spike, you know, right, right before that was added to Coinbase. So it, it, a lot of people were calling foul and saying that there was some insider trading there. People knew what was going on. So another excer excerpt from their blog reads, strict transparent adherence to a transparent listing process, which considers factors such as sophistication and security of technology, governance processes, market demand, and regulatory considerations, among others. Every new asset will be announced in a transparent and consistent way, ensuring equal information sharing across our customer base. Now, are they going to stick to this? I can say I believe they will. We saw it recently with the, the release of Ethereum Classic on their platform. It was announced well in advance, given multiple announcements throughout the time, announced when it was being added to Coinbase Pro, and then when it was added to your Coinbase uh, basic, their basic uh, Coinbase website. So moving along, let's take a look a little bit at what's going on in Venezuela. So looking at Venezuela, found an article today and I shared it on the Facebook page about the Dash cryptocurrency and Venezuela adopting that. So what's happened is some global brands like Calvin Klein, Subway have already started accepting Dash as payments in Venezuela. It's up to about 94 merchants so far. So what's happened is an unprecedented currency devaluation of the Bolivar, which is the Venezuelan fiat government-issued fiat currency, as well as the difficulty in obtaining foreign fiat, the cryptocurrency provides a useful means of payment in Venezuela. So for these merchants, cryptocurrencies like Dash are less volatile than the nation's fiat currency. So the time lag between when a credit card transaction is initiated and completed can result in far more significant losses for merchants in Venezuela than in, if virtual currencies were used. So increased Dash adoption highlighted has not yet impacted the price of Dash. Could we see it in the near future? It is definitely possible. Uh, Dash is currently trading around the $140 mark. So, but it's interesting to see how that will go, how a, an entire country's adoption, or this could lead to the entire country's adoption of the Dash cryptocurrency could lead to some price action. So we'll see what happens. Dash has taken a beating this year, just like most other cryptocurrencies. But this could be a catalyst that could help it, you know, grow back faster than many other cryptocurrencies. So moving along to crypto education. So our crypto education corner today, we're going to get a couple of topics. Our main focus is blockchain, right? We hear blockchain and what exactly is a blockchain? Is it just a fancy term? Something that people use because it's hip, it's in the know. 
I mean, heck, in the last few months, we've seen a, a tea company, which, you know, all they did was manufacturers teas, you know, bottled teas, uh, change our name from Long Island Tea Company to Long Island Blockchain. And we saw the shares of their company, the, the common stocks rise dramatically and then cra ultimately crash when they failed to implement any kind of blockchain technology. They were actually first, you know, scrutinized by the SEC for the name change, which caused a, a spike in their price. And then it caused the price to crash, which a lot, which made them get delisted from the stock exchange they were on. I don't have that information from, I believe it was either the NASDAQ or New York stock exchange, but they were delisted because the value of the company had dropped so drastically. So what actually is blockchain? So the core definition of blockchain is a digital ledger in which transactions are digitally recorded in order and publicly block reward, which is also a term you want to know about is the amount of cryptocurrency miners receive for creating a block, right? So you look at how blockchain works. Now let's say you got two people, right? So you've got Chelsea and Chelsea wants to send money to Seth. So the first block is created online and represents the transaction. Then that block is broadcast to every party on the network, which is all the miners. Those in the network approve the transaction and validate it. The block is then added to the chain, provides a permanent and transparent record of the transaction. And then Seth will receive that money from Chelsea. That is how it works. A couple of things it gives you, gives you transparency. Data is embedded within the network as a whole. And by definition, it's public. It's a public ledger but it is also cannot be corrupted, which is a second concept. Altering any unit of information on the blockchain would mean using a huge amount of computing power to override the entire network. These networks are huge, so it's virtually impossible. And then also seeing as every transaction is final and indisputable, blockchains can be used for a huge variety of things and also new developments to allow the use of smart contracts. Now, a smart contract is a contract that is created on a blockchain between two parties then it is verified and made public, thus it cannot be disputed. So what does that mean? It means blockchain technology can be used for things like recording the sales of a car or a house, recording population data, marriage, death, divorces, music royalties, land registries, voting, all, all kinds of different things can be stored on the blockchain. And that's where we're going to see adoption really start to take off. It's more than just cryptocurrency, but you, gotta, you have to understand. So why is cryptocurrency needed for that blockchain? That is their reward for the miners, right? For all the computers that are hooked to that network, that is their reward for building those blocks of information. It's not, it's not a centralized block, it's decentralized. And having that network of computers is ultimately what creates cryptocurrency. And then whatever the current value of that cryptocurrency is deemed by supply and demand and really in the future, it's going to be also use case right now. We've seen a lot of speculation driving price, but in the end use case is going to drive a lot of the price use case and supply and demand. All right. So that is it for our cryptocurrency education corner today. Uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, if you got some value, give us a like on our Facebook page from no crypto to no crypto. Also all the articles, news articles we talk about are posted on the Facebook page. And we also have a, if you want to get a little bit more information, a little bit more crypto education, we have a beginner's guide to cryptocurrency that is for sale on Amazon. It is available in both paperback and ebook. 
It's a 40-page, short read, ultra-low price book just to give you the basics of where to get your information from, who to follow. Uh, when you purchase the paperback, you will get the Kindle ebook for free. So check it out. And like I said, please give our Facebook page a like. And thank you for listening in today. And we'll see you on the next episode.